Previous. Okay, so I was close. 
Uh, on, yeah. So this will be her sixth appearance for Stacey Curtis. Don't think she's ever made it into the championship pool. She is usually, I think, at her best performance, been around a 500 team. I, I know she had one year. I think she only won one game, but another year where she won four or five uh, or maybe four, went four and three in that pool, but didn't get through. So she's she's somebody who can play some tight games, uh, will be entertaining, but probably not a feature game at any point unless it's late in that first round and it's a, a meaningful game for her and, and, and another team. But mm-hmm. uh, always fun to see Stacey Curtis there. Yeah. Then in Prince Edward Island, Suzanne Burt. Now, she's definitely into double digits at this point in – Scotty's appearances, a silver medalist in Scott, you know this off the top of your head. 2003, two, uh, 2002. Okay. Uh, so it's been a while for Suzanne Burt since her medal appearance at a Scotty's, but always someone who's going to play with a lot of rocks, lots of points. Blank ends are a foreign word for Suzanne Burt, and we like that here. We uh, fully support <laughs> that approach. She's never out of a game. But that also means that her opponents are also never out of a game. So if you're at the Scotties in Kelowna, Suzanne Burt's playing, it looks like oh, that game's probably over. You know what? It might not be. Stick around. Yeah, stick around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was right the first time, Sean. It was 2003. I, and according to the internet, which we have to be careful about all the time, uh, that she's throwing fourth rocks, but Marie Christensen is skipping this year. So, oh. Interesting little tweak there, uh, maybe just due to circumstances. And they're always in for a, a good game. Lots of rocks in play, like you said. Well, hopefully Marie Christensen feels that way. What if that's the reason they changed? That they're like, hey, Suzanne, you know you're allowed to play hits. And Suzanne was like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but uh, we, we like the way Suzanne Burt plays. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, a change. I have to see how Marie Christensen calls the game. They will get a TV game because Suzanne Burt is very much a known quantity. Uh, certainly, I would say over that first weekend, they will be a TV game. So then mm-hmm. let's move on to Nova Scotia. Christina Black makes a return appearance. Is this three years in a row for Christina, Christina Black? Scott, I think it might be uh, for her as the skip. Uh, certainly, she's into... Uh, at least three appearances, maybe not all as a skip, uh, but certainly three times there for her. So as we've seen with other teams, the more you go, the more you get comfortable with the rhythm of it, uh, particularly the bubble one doesn't really count because you don't have all the outside stuff. No, no real media was there. You don't have the up close and personal. You don't have the patch and all the things that can take away some of the time that you might not expect. So the more you go, the more you get comfortable, the better you can be on the ice and they're a good team. So again, we can see them as a threat to make it into that championship pool, I think, but mm-hmm. initial impressions there on your Nova Scotia champion. Yeah. It, there'll be a full fair. I do believe she played third with Marianne Arsenault. Yes. And it, so they were there in 2020 and in 2021, it was Jill brothers appointed. Okay. And last so, year? Last year, she was there as the skip. Okay. Yeah. So back-to-back provincial championships for her. That's right. Very exciting. We like that. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Ontario, which is next as we go east whoa, to west. Whoa, 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 Sean. Whoa. 
East to West. Yeah, is is this just all the East to West that happened this week? Or we're not talking yeah. about all the teams. Okay. Well, we okay. talked about the other teams earlier. Yeah, I know, I know. I was just getting trying to get ahead of you and uh, opened up the page for uh, Team New Brunswick. But you're right. Uh, uh, this past weekend, it was Ontario. Yes, out in Port Elgin, Rachel Holman gets the victory there. Uh, fortunately, the weather didn't disrupt all of their members from flying into Ontario to be able to participate in that <laughs> event. Uh, but they get the victory there. They beat Holly Duncan in the final. It was a great semifinal between Holly Duncan and Danielle Inglis that we got to watch. Uh, that final end between the two of them, they made beautiful outturn draws into the forefoot, touching the button. The two of them did. And Danielle Inglis, I think, wins that game if she's, what, two inches higher on her last one? Like, not a lot. And that's just how crushing the sport can be sometimes. And Mm. she made a beautiful shot that anybody at our level would be thrilled with. But when it came to a rest, playing somebody like Holly Duncan, you're like, ooh. Just (laughs) a bit too far. I I don't know, you know? Yeah, But that was a really fun game. For sure, a fun game. And uh, Danielle and her team played great all week. Uh, their only blemish was a loss to uh, Rachel Holman in the crossover pool. So uh, overall had a super strong week. They're a good team. Holly Duncan's team is a good team too. Uh, but at the end of the day, the the pedigree of Team Holman, uh, just a little too much for those other Ontario teams. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move north to an association that Dean doesn't think should exist, but hey. It's there, so we cover it. That's uh, Northern Ontario. Krista McCarville making yet another return appearance to the Scotties. This time in the final, she beat Krista Burns Burns in a game that we didn't see too, too much of. When we flipped over to it on the stream, Every Krista was not only in control of the game, but in control of the ends that we saw as well. So it didn't seem like Krista Burns was ever really threatening too much in that game, but a good performance for them and not really a walkover for Krista McCarvel. I wouldn't say that they, when you look at some of the line scores through the week, they had some good games. So it's uh, nice to see that the Northern Ontario women's scene might be improving a little bit overall. It's, you know, we like when we see those, those tight games, but again, Krista McCarvel, a favorite of ours and a team that after last year, we hope that they can build on another solid performance and maybe, this is the year they get over the top? Maybe. They had the uh, home court advantage last year uh, for sure in Thunder Bay. Interesting wrinkle is that uh, Sarah Potts was holding the broom on Krista's shots this year. So uh, something to watch out for with Kendra uh, sweeping along with uh, with Ashley. So uh, we'll see if that carries over to the main event. Yeah, it'll be an interesting wrinkle there, as you say, Scott. So let's move over to Manitoba, where Jennifer Jones gets another Bison championship for her, another Purple Heart uh, that she can add to her extensive collection. Her and Mackenzie Zacharias, that team, they get a a victory, really dominating that final. Uh, We saw it kind of all day Sunday. The finals weren't great games the the teams that won got out early and and held on and jennifer jones certainly did that probably the better game was in that semifinal where caitlin laws i don't know if you want to call it an upset but she loses in i think really dramatic fashion so similar to the ontario Mm -hmm. situation scott i think the semifinal was the better game 
of Sunday. Yeah, I think it was. It was uh, a really tight affair uh, that saw Caitlin Laws and her team go down to defeat. I think they would have been the co-favorites along with Team Jones heading into this event, but that's not what we got in the final. Abby Ackland, a good job by Abby Ackland to get into a final in a very loaded field, to be sure. It's like that that's hard to do uh, in Manitoba. Uh, yeah. So good on them and a great win over Caitlin Laws in that semifinal, as we said. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, good for her. Uh, this event, uh, you know, we, we might have thought Chelsea Carey's team could make some noise. They had a bad week by their standards. Uh, Beth Peterson is another team that's uh, pretty strong. Darcy Robertson always shows up, you know. So, yeah, tough field uh, and, and a good accomplishment by uh, by Team Ackland getting into that final. Absolutely. And finally, for the weekend, out in Alberta, uh, excuse me, out in Saskatchewan, Robin Silvernagel gets the victory over Nancy Martin in a final that was a little better, probably the best final of the day. But Robin Silvernagel was very much in control of that game throughout and a wonderful story. She has a, a young child uh, had to step away or did step away during her pregnancy. And there's a great photo of her uh, after the game holding her kid, uh, big smiles. This team just really came together for the provincial playdowns. Scott, they were so new as a team. They didn't have jackets. They were just wearing hoodies. Now they were sponsored, but just hoodies. I love that look. I recognize the teams have to pay the bills. And you need mm-hmm. sponsors. And to get sponsors, you got to put them on your stuff. I get that. The hoodie look was phenomenal. Like, yeah, it was it's great. great. Uh, yeah. So not only is it a great story to see Robin Silvernagel back at the Scotties, but given everything with her and then the team, it's a lot of fun. Now, we love Nancy Martin. Nancy Martin has the greatest power pose in the history of power poses. So we wouldn't have been upset for Nancy Martin to be there. But this is a great story. Yeah, it is a great story, Sean. And uh, uh, we'll be happy to see uh, Team Silvernagel back on our screens. Uh, and like you say, some new faces playing with with Robin. So hmm. always good to see that. Yes. So with that, we also have the wild card teams determined. These are the top three teams that participated in a provincial playdown and did not win. Top ranked team there, Caitlin Laws, as we said, lost the semifinal in Manitoba this weekend. Then Casey Scheidegger out of Alberta, spot number two. We'll talk about that team in a minute. And then Megan Walter, which is Abby Ackland's team. So in the Alberta playdowns, they went by Abby Ackland in the Scotties, I guess, or at least they're listed on the TSN site as Megan Walter, who does throw the four stones uh, for that team. So yeah, in the, in the Manitoba playdowns, Sean. Yes, excuse me. Thank you. So this is like a McCruthers situation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this uh, team will end up being called Abby Ackland by, uh, by everybody uh, on the TSN crew. So I guess, you know, they shouldn't be too sad about losing that, uh, losing that final. Hey, you still get in. Going right. anyway. That's right. So with that, we now have the pools have been determined. They're based on the rankings. So pool A is Canada, wildcard one, Caitlin Laws, British Columbia, Nova Scotia, Alberta, PEI, Saskatchewan, Quebec, and Nunavut. 
Pool B, Ontario, Manitoba, the other two wildcard teams, so Abby Ackland and Casey Scheidegger, New Brunswick, Northwest Territories, Newfoundland, Labrador, Northern Ontario, and Yukon are our wow. pools. We will do a full preview of the event, but Scott, on first blush, I get the sense you think that B is a much, 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 much stronger pool. <laughs> much stronger pool, Sean. It's not even, it's not even close, I don't yeah. think. Like, not only do you have Rachel Homan and Jennifer Jones, then you have the two wildcard teams, two and three, uh, Scheidegger and Abby Ackland that are strong. Then you've got Andrea Kelly from New Brunswick, who was a f- semifinalist last year. Yep. Then Carrie K- Galusha's team. Mm-hmm. Then Newfoundland. Then then you've got Northern Ontario, uh, yeah. a finalist from last year. This is a uh, murderer's row. No, yes. I, I feel bad for Team Yukon. Yeah. Godspeed, Haley Bernie. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, going to be an uphill climb for them, but a really an uphill climb for everybody uh, with the way that this pool is stacked up. Again, only four teams can get out. So that means that Rachel Holm and Jennifer Jones – Abby Ackland, Casey Scheidegger, Andrew Kelly, as you say, Krista McCarvel, and Carrie Galusha, who again got through last year. Three of those teams aren't through. Yeah, this this is nuts. And that's listed in rankings order, right? Because yeah. uh, Rachel Holman would be number two in the country. And so Northern Ontario and Krista McCarvel, right. because they don't play, yeah. they just show up and win. Uh, they get ranked pretty low and uh, end up in a loaded pool. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you don't want to sleep on the other pool. It's good too. This is a good field, certainly. But pool A is very, very, very strong. Uh, but again, you look at pool B. No, with, pool B is strong. Pool A. Excuse me. Pool A is also strong, right? Like, I mean, Laurie Saint George is the, the second to last ranked team there, and they're yeah, but pretty good. But Laurie Saint George hasn't made a Scotty's final like Krista McCarvel or uh Andrea Andrea Kelly making a semifinal like it's, it's true it's a, a bit different I, I yes it's good but uh, not nearly the the quality top to bottom as pool B yeah. well and there's the unknowns too there right uh, with uh Kayla Skrillick as Alberta we don't know how they'll do in their debut robin silvernagel great week this week but again they haven't played a lot so yeah. a bit of a, a unknown quantity there a christina black a team that's improving but again still relatively new on this stage and then clancy grandy of course new team new province for them so a lot of unknowns it's just it's a lot more unknowns on the a pool than on the b pool oh yes oh yes for sure yeah uh, so real quick, uh, I have the drop. One of my favorite games to play is who gets on TV for the, let's just do the first two days. So I'm going to say Friday night, Canada against Quebec. I always thought they would do, or maybe this is a Briar thing where, you know, it'd have to be a Scotty's thing, defending champion against the host team. And they're in the same pool and they're both playing, but they're not playing each other for some reason. Yeah. A little so, strange. They, they'll play each other on the Saturday night, Sean. So Maybe they hold that one for for TV. Maybe. So if it's not that, then I'm going to say it's probably going to be Caitlin Laws, Kayla Skrillick, two young teams. Good narrative would be my guess. Saturday afternoon, first draw for Pool B. I'm going to go Northern Ontario, Chris McCarville against Jennifer Jones. And then Saturday night, if it's not Canada, 
BC than the classic. No, I'm changing it up. Going to go a little different, and I'm going to go with the wild card one against Christina Black. Mm, okay, I'm going to say Alberta Saskatchewan. Okay, the Rumble on Saturday night. There you go. All right. Uh, so there you go. The initial picks for who gets on TV, which is, again, one of my most fun games to play. So there you go. That's who's in the Scotties this year. We'll do a full preview later on. But first, we have to talk about Curling Canada's rule about who can play in this year's Scotties Tournament of Hearts relative to individuals who are pregnant. Curling Canada did release a statement giving pregnancy exemptions to certain teams. So essentially, if you want to have a spare play in a national championship, it has to be somebody from the same member association. That is essentially the rule. You have to follow the residency rules. Now, if you have a team that is all members of your association that you do not have an import under the current residency rules, you could then bring in an import because you're still following the residency rules. But for this year's Scotty Tournament of Hearts, the decision was made by Curling Canada that team members who are pregnant, whose team are ranked in the top five, could bring in any spare independent of their member association and their current status as a team in terms of imports. If you were ranked outside of the top five, this does not apply to you. And you have to get somebody within your association who played in your provincial playdowns to come in and play with you. This is actually something that is now in practice an issue. This isn't just theoretical because Selena Negevin is not going to be able to play or it was announced by the team that she is not going to play, that Laura Walker is going to come in and play. We saw Jill Officer play this weekend, of course, with Selena being pregnant and expecting her first child. So Laura Walker is going to come in and that's fine because they're in the top five, but this does not apply to Casey Scheidegger's team who's ranked number six because Casey's sister, Jessie, who plays second on the team, is also pregnant, but they cannot get whoever they want. They have to stick within the Alberta Provincial Association. Christy Moore is going to come in as an alternate. I think Jessie is going to play some games or try to play, but for who that alternate is going to be, someone who's going to play had to be from the province of Alberta and played in the play down, Scott. We don't want to crap on curling Canada all the time. I felt like we did a lot of that last week. And I think warrants it. This is just such an unforced error. Like, what are you doing? I, th- I think we all know that the residency rules are going away at some point. So to, to impose this kind of restriction at, a national event and basing it on who, which teams have the most points. It seems to, uh, as you so often put, says the quiet part out loud and that, well, it, it doesn't matter if you're outside the top five, cause you're not going to win. Well then like, what's the point, right? What are we even doing here? Come on, man. Come on, man. Isn't it just really easy to say this is fine for everyone, right? Yeah. Like, 
And you know what? Alberta is a really good province. So maybe they would pick someone from Alberta anyway. Uh, yeah, it, it's like an unforced error is exactly the right way to say it. Yeah. It's really a, a poor choice and, and it bears clear that the top five get preferential treatment because that's who curling Canada wants to win. They don't really want an upset upset here at all. Because in their statement, they said that the reason for this is the top five teams would have a harder time finding a player. Uh, Let me get the actual wording. So, quote, the exemption applied only to top five teams because their ability to replace a player with someone with an equal level of ability and commitment is limited. Now, that might actually be true. It might, because you are a top five team and it's hard to find players who are good enough to play at a top five level. That that might be true, but it's also hard to find players who are good enough to play at a six to 20 level or really good enough to get into this event at all. It's not like there's that many people who are good enough that a team would ask them to come in and play. And especially with wildcard teams, like there's fewer really good players running around the country now looking for games. But if you're concerned that the eighth ranked team in the country is going to call up, I don't Chelsea know, Jill officer or Chelsea Carey and be like, Hey, come play. And they win. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, right. Like what's, like, what's I don't the know. Downside? Like, it's a great story yeah. then. Right. It's just, I, I just don't understand the need for this in any way, shape or form. And like, is anybody lying about being pregnant and wanting to right. like, no, J- just to get like a super spare. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. So that, yeah, you, you told me about this today and I sort of was very confused. Yeah. By this news. It doesn't make any sense. Cause again, and we saw, we've seen this with, with women who are pregnant and who've just had children, like to get to this level, to play at that uh, event, you have to be very good and obviously very driven to do it. And they want to play, right? Yeah. It's, it's a case where they can't. It's it's not them being like, hey, you know, it'd be great. They're not sitting around the summer saying, hey, yeah. if I got pregnant now, when it comes to the Scotties time, I can get a ringer in and we can win, but I won't play. And I will still be as satisfied by not playing and being on the, like, what do you, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. There's no way Sean. And, and like pregnancy is something that it, it can't always be scheduled for everyone. Right. It's not yeah. like, it's not like you set your watch and uh, okay, I'll definitely get pregnant in December so that I give birth in August or September and I'm ready for the next year. Like that just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. So I think what's really at issue is the, like not applying it to, to everyone. Yeah. Uh, it It's, it's a real mess. Like that's an easy win, right. To say, well, we'll just let everybody do it. And yeah. If, the, if the you're downsides, pregnant, you can't play, you get a spare. And yeah. the rule and the, applies. The downsides don't outweigh the, the positives. No. And honestly, if the policy was you have to get a spare from your, association who played in the provincial playdowns and that was the policy like okay fine fine that's the policy 
but the, it's the split policy that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the exemption for these kinds of teams. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. doesn't, doesn't seem like we're playing in the same world. And I know we've already talked a lot about the division between the haves and have nots and curling. And especially at an event like the Scotties and the Briar. And it, then it just seems like this reinforces it even more. Yeah. I'll say though, I'm all in favor of Hallie Bernie or someone comes out or Haley Bernie comes out and is like, Hey, I'm pregnant now. And Chelsea Carey does show up and, and wins the event. UConn wins. Let's, let's do it. Do it out of spite. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, anyway, well, there you go. That's what everybody wants to hear. Two men talking about pregnancy policy. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we know about. Oh, geez. That's what uh, everybody woke up today wanting to hear and what we woke up wanting to talk about. But this policy is just so dumb. And <laughs> the players have pretty universally talked about how dumb it is. So hopefully it's a change. There is an interview that Kathy Anderson gave to, I don't know if it's TSN directly or if it's a, a CP report. I mean, it's Gregory Strong. I don't know. But it's on the website for TSN where she essentially is defending the decision we'll see if it changes given the the feedback of the players and the fans uh, at this point uh, but who knows and we like kathy henderson too she's been on the show mm-hmm. before she, she's was very nice to us and i think she's genuine in her desire to push things like uh, equity get that get the sport to be more inclusive she was a, a really a driving force behind the uh, equity and payments between the Scotties and the Briar, yeah. right? So yeah. this just seems like a, a weird one, uh, you know, within her overall tenure at Curling Canada, which has largely been very, very good. Here's one that's that's not. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Uh, it was it was Greg Strong, okay, um, with CP Sean. Now, as I guess happens, Curling Canada does something weird dumb bad but they also do something good occasionally uh it's really a split bag with them because earlier today they did announce the return of the points bet invitational which on its own i'm somewhat ambivalent about i thought it was fine not the greatest event ever but it was fine it was fun and they announced its return for 2023 this year it's going to be played in oakville which I assume all the top teams will like because they can play in the points bet and then the Stu sells Oakville and then the Stu sells Toronto and then the Stu sells Southern Ontario and then the Stu sells Southern Western Ontario and then the Stu sells Oakville all in consecutive weeks and they could just get a big house together or something because uh, all the big events in that early part of the season are just in Oakville. So it's coming back, same format of 16 men, 16 women's teams, but the qualifying process is going to be a little a bit different this year. I will also note, too, that uh, in their release, Curling Canada does say that this will be the first chance for fans to see the results of off-season lineup changes. So they are banking on some, uh, some teams not sticking together over the course of the summer. So yeah. the qualifying this year, I believe last year it was 13, was it the 13 top plus the club champions and the juniors. Yes. And, and then a sponsor's exemption. exemption. Yeah. yeah. So this year it's going to be the top 10 highest ranked men's and women's teams in the country. So on the CTRS points, then 
The Ontario champions, so Rachel Holman and Mike McEwen, they automatically get first as this is in Ontario. The junior champions will get berths uh, when those National events are played. National junior champions, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, when those events are played. The college champions, the 2023 college champions are in, as are the 2023 U-sport champions. So both the okay. university and college level will be represented here, as will the winner of Curling Canada's Under-25 Next Gen event, uh, which is a new event we saw this year, I believe. Uh, so next year, it's going to be in early September. The winner of that on both the men's and the women's side will get in. And same as last year, the men's and women's champions from the Curling Club Championships. Uh, now, this is last year's, the 2022 version. So that's a Shailen Park from Moncton, Greg Balsden from Richmond Hill. They have already booked their spots in. And anybody who is in the top 10 potentially of these other events, like if the junior team that wins is in the top 10, the spot will go to the finalist from that event. So there's rules in place that it won't come down to just a decision by Curling Canada. That's going to be the rule. If, if you're in, then the finalists will get it, which I don't know if that'll apply to Ontario, because if so, that's good news for Holly Duncan. Yes, that's right. So they wouldn't just take the next on the uh, points, the CTRS, eh? Not according to their release, no. But okay. uh, but again, I don't know if that applies to the Ontario one, uh, but it did s- indicate that it'll apply to the U-Sport college and juniors. Unlikely that it'll come into effect for those ones, just given how yeah. hard it is to get into the top 10. But who knows what'll happen. So there you go. Uh, I like this, Scott. I like that it's back. I like that they're broadening it out and you're getting more representation, yeah. certainly of those younger teams, give them some good experience. Same thing as last year. I think I'm pretty sure the amount is the same, 5000 bucks to each team for your travel expenses. And then uh, each game is just essentially a cash game and winner walks away with the most money. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's exciting. Sean, I have a friend that lives in Oakville. So uh, I'm going to text him later and uh, book a room. <laughs> right uh yeah it's in like north oakville just off the 407 so uh one of these new disgusting strode environments but uh (laughs) whatever it'll be fun yeah like you said it's close to a major airport so lots of teams shouldn't have too much trouble making the most of that five thousand dollars and uh looking forward to seeing some high quality curling yeah and again first event on the curling calendar so that'll be uh, always fun when the curling starts up again even if it might be a scooch early for me but uh you know it worked so it works they're doing it again so there you go the points bet is back final thing scott that i want to talk about this week on the show as we said off the top we participated in a bond spiel this weekend and really the whole year at this point is bond spiel season but Mm-hmm. I find bonds feels more attractive at this time of year towards the end of the season, like, you know, the cool down ramp down as opposed to early in the season. Cause I find if I do a spiel or two in the fall, I'm kind of like kind of done. Kinda done. Like, a little curled I'm, I'm over curled. Yeah. And that happened a little bit in December for me. I played in a bond spiel and then played four nights in a week, uh, including a double header one night. 
And then I was just kind of like, oh my goodness, it's too much. I was overcurled. And then I got COVID, so I couldn't play. And uh, by the time January come around and I was COVID free, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm excited to get out back out there after three weeks <laughs> off. Uh, so for that reason, I kind of oh, like the end of the year spiels, but it got me to thinking there's so many different formats for bond spiels. So we played in an ABC draw this weekend where your schedule and opponents are determined as you go. I've mm-hmm. also played in pool spiels where your schedule is just set. Where the round robin, then playoffs, there's point spiels, which are similar, where you have pools, set times, you play, and then whoever has the most points at the end wins without any playoffs. So a lot of different formats. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts on which ones I enjoy more, but Scott, you've spieled more than me. Do you have a sense of the best format for a spieler, the one that you like the most? Yeah, if you're traveling from far away, Honestly, it's nice to know your schedule ahead of time. If you're trying to explain to somebody who maybe doesn't know curling as well, and you're trying to explain when you'll be home versus when you're going to the rink, then it would be easier <laughs> to have some fixed fixed times. You're saying uh, that from personal experience over the weekend, Scott. Hey, listen, I'm just saying that it's easier. Uh, <laughs> if it's not, well, if we do this, then if we do this... <laughs> So in that respect, I like that. What I do like about the the bracket is that, you know, you don't know who you're going to play. So you could end up playing for pretty much anyone in your quadrant, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of nice. When I play, I prefer the, the bracket style. Uh, just that's sort of the way I think works with it. I know that no matter what I do is going to matter. Well, in terms of when we play. So yeah, that's my favorite. I think one of the spiels I played in was down at the country club in Brookline and we made the A semifinals oh and then lost. Two humble brags in one set. Not only play at the club <laughs> in Brookline, A semifinal. semifinals. Yeah. Just so casual but, about it. Well, then we, then we lost and so we played, we went Im- immediately to the D finals, which was for the oh. losers of the semifinals. Okay. And I kind of liked that as opposed to where we played this weekend. And in our A draw, if you lost, you went immediately to C and B was reserved for the losers of the semifinals. Yes. Uh, where I was like, eh, who cares if it's B or D, whatever. Like I got a nice glass. So whatever. Yeah. You know who cares, Scott? The teams who win four games uh, and then lose, and uh, don't want to be associated with the D. The D. They don't. They don't think it's uh, admirable to go through the non-D side grind. No, I've seen people complain to Lee about that. I've <laughs> oh, seen that okay. actually happen. So that was a notable change I felt this week. Uh, first yes. time they've done that to make the B the losers of the semifinal situation. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway. That's uh, what I say about that. I think like it's easier to to understand like triple knockout. You lose three games, you're done. In, in this event, it's you're guaranteed three games, and what happens after that? You know, if you lose, then you're not necessarily guaranteed anything else. Right. That's fine. Pool play can be fun because you know your opponents ahead of time, so you can kind of watch their games if you don't know them. But uh, yeah, I I don't mind a, a bracket. What about you? 
Yeah, I don't mind a bracket either. I agree, though, that it can be tough when you don't know the schedule. So what I kind of liked about what we had this weekend for us, and it certainly didn't apply to everybody, but if you know the time of the first two games, like if the Spiel can set it up so that mm-hmm. obviously you have the time of your first game and the second game, the time is independent, uh, that's always, I think, really good because it gives a little bit of certainty to the weekend, at least yeah. the start of the weekend, that you can make some plans around. So I, I do mm-hmm. like that. Triple knockout, just that the can be a lot of games uh, for be, for yeah. getting through. So I, I, I like the idea of what, if it's going to be a bracket, frankly, what we did in, in the spiel that, that we played in, the first two games are, to a certain extent, used to triage the teams. And hopefully you can find your level through the first two games and then you play off. So essentially the idea is starting with the third game, with the exception of the team still in A, you lose and you're out. And yeah. I'm okay with that because as we saw with our team, three was enough for, for us. Yeah. And it, it, again, it over the week balances. I think I do like pool play in that the whole weekend is set and you can really plan. So if you're traveling or if you have people coming in from out of town mm-hmm. or you're living in a household with someone who is new to the bond spiel idea and, and how they work, you can set, the schedule and potentially right. meal plan or, Oh, we're going to do something else. If you're in a, a city that you don't know, for instance, like if you know, you have five hours between games, you can go do something in that city, see something you haven't yeah. seen before. So there's value in, in that for sure. The The downside I have found in pool play events is it feels a lot like league play that after the second to last game, everyone's doing the math in their head and looking at what the next matchup is. And yeah. I mean, that's fine on a Thursday night after a game, when you've run out of things to talk about, but in a bond spiel, it's a different setting. And I don't know if I really want to be doing that mental math in my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess you don't get as much crossover with different teams being at the club. Right. So uh, there's that too. I mean, if, if it's a bunch of people that you already know, maybe you want the chance to uh, meet new people through different teams. So I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, because in our situation, I think all 12 of the people we played against, I hadn't played against them all before, but I certainly knew who they were. Yeah. And I would say yeah. half of them I've played against before. So, I mean, that's and that was a bracket. And that's just because Ottawa's not that big in terms of the curling community, in terms of who plays in this event. It tends to be repeat mm-hmm. players. So that, that's just going to happen. But yeah, in a pool, you're right. There isn't that much crossover with people hanging around. The other thing I'll say too is Sunday, we didn't go to the club at all, no. but Sunday I've played in Sunday at this event and compared to Friday and Saturday where there's a lot of people in the building, there's a lot of energy where you can be standing on the ice and hear the chatter from inside. That's how loud it is. Sunday is very underwhelming. Yeah. So, you know, you could be playing Saturday night, tons of people at the glass watching the game really fun energy and then you could be playing in the final and it's frankly just lee back there (laughs) like yeah and that's all there is and it can be underwhelming so they do try to incentivize people to come on sunday afternoon with the 50 50 draw all tickets go into another draw yeah but that wasn't enough to incentivize us to go back and i know from past experience it's not enough to incentivize other people to come back so if there's some way and i don't know how you do it because all the sheets were in play on sunday 
to try to get people to incentivize people to come to keep that atmosphere. Again, I don't know how you do it, what, what the best strategy is to, to do, but it can feel a little underwhelming after a very fun, active, lots of people around Saturday to a very quiet and tame Sunday for the finals. Yeah. And for sure, if you're playing at 8am on, on Sunday, Ooh. that's, oof, that's tough. Like, and we left the club, I think both nights at one thirty in the morning. So yeah. Uh, the incentive for me to go back the next day would have been pretty, would have to have been pretty good, you know, but uh, I don't know, maybe some cheap beer for teams that have been eliminated, some food special or something right e- extra food yeah i guess well, they do offer lunch they do offer lunch too that wasn't enough for us either no no you're right but uh I, yeah something uh, something to bring you back on that uh, that sunday let us know what you like about spiels in terms of those formats what draw schedule you like do you like pool play do you like the certainty of a schedule are you cool with just whatever let us know and then let us know what takes you back potentially on a championship day the last day if you go yeah. back at all and, and try to keep that atmosphere over the course of the weekend i will say we left at 1 30 because we played at 9 30 p.m each night uh, yes. so i mean we played eight ends or we're on pace to play eight ends in under two hours both nights yeah so you know we did have a good hangout time uh with us yeah. And we didn't have to play early, which is a good yeah. thing. But it did require us to lose Saturday night so that we didn't play early Sunday morning, which is okay. I wasn't upset. I, I wasn't upset either. And the fact that we played well, yet still lost, uh, they made a couple of good shots. And yeah, that's the way it goes. They made more than us. And I particularly wasn't upset when I woke up at 9.15 on Sunday morning. Oh, 9.15. That's, uh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I did not sleep much this week, so. Yeah. Well, you know that's what the week is for. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what we're, that's why we work at home, Scott. That's uh, right. I've been I've been in the office twice already. I got to go back tomorrow for a bit. So. Okay. Well, there you go. That's, I've been three times. What's up? We're busy. We're what busy up? people. Yeah. So uh, again, let us know what you like in your Bonspiel formats, what gets you out there when you're not playing. And you can always reach out at Game of Stones Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever you just get your podcasts, likes, rating, comments, all that stuff helps grow the show. Head over to the website. I've got some stuff under the blog there, all the links when we did 20 years of the world is catching up to Canada. All that stuff's there. We're working on relaunching the merch. Scott, I don't know where that stands other than I got a bunch of notifications that you were trying to get into the Game of Stones email account. Uh, so you have been working on it and hopefully within the next little while, and you can define little while as much as you want, as broadly as you'd like, uh, we get something going on that. Yeah, and uh, I, I kind of want some prototypes before we launch to make sure yeah. that they're uh, that they're good. Another thing, Sean, I haven't told you this. Maybe I did a long time ago, but we're gonna work on a giveaway for something special around the Scotties and Briars. So, like you said, get us uh, follow us on the social medias, and you'll find out all about our giveaway. Okay, I did not know about this. This is news to me. I want to know yeah. what we're giving away. Uh, well, you'll have to wait and find have out. To wait That's and what find they call out. it. Okay. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So do follow along then uh, for our giveaway, whatever that might be. I'm very excited now. Uh, So there you go. So with that, we will talk to you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.